It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, guys, you are Locked On Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by NFL Draft Analyst John Ledyard. We're going to be talking about some of the offensive line and defensive line prospects from the Senior Bowl. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at Falcfans and of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. And today, we are sort of jumping into the 2020 draft conversation. I'm joined by NFL draft analyst John Ledgerd. He's been around the block, been on this podcast many times. The last time I had John it was midway through the 2018 season, and we were sort of previewing the offensive line and defensive line prospects in the 2019 draft that was coming up, hoping that the Falcons would be able to solve some of those issues potentially. But we're right back into it in entering 2020, where the Falcons still need a lot of help on the offensive line and defensive line. It never stops. But, uh, John, I appreciate you coming back on the podcast and uh, looking forward to getting some of your insights on uh, the senior bowl crop of players in the trenches today. Absolutely, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. So when we talk about the pass rush, the Falcons have already sort of publicly stated with from general manager Thomas Dimitrov that they're focused mostly on getting help on the edge in terms of getting guys that are quote-unquote game wreckers and used to uh, terminology of uh, – general manager Thomas Dimitrov, that can provide pressure on the edge because Vic Beasley's a free agent. Tack McKinley hasn't quite taken that leap to be one of the premier pass rushers where he flashed that potential in his first couple of seasons but didn't really put it all together this past season. But despite that, it seemed like the big-name guy at the Senior Bowl this past week or last week was Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. I know you're a, a big fan of his. I know he was sort of dominant on those early days of um, 
practices. I know there is a tendency among draft analysts and, and certainly fans like myself that we tend to overrate guys and the hype that they generate coming off of the senior bowl. I feel like Braxton Miller is the poster child of that where a couple of years ago after the senior bowl, he was starting to get mocked in the first round. But I'm, I'm curious if you feel like Kinlaw is the type of guy that can use this buzz and go into the combine, continue that buzz and be the type of guy that p- could potentially solidify himself as a sort of top 10 type of pick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he was clearly the best defensive lineman, uh, interior guy or edge guy that was down there in Mobile. Um, you know, uh, for, for, it's just traits. I mean, that's the first thing you want to look at with Kinlaw is just like the build, the length, the power. Then when you see he plays with the energy, you need to kind of maximize all of those traits and the explosiveness you need, the way that he moves. You immediately think of Chris Jones from Kansas City. And I, and I know that. Comparison has gotten pretty popular at this point, I think, and I figured that it would, but I kind of made that comparison last year. I actually thought he was coming out last year in the draft. I had heard from some people, yeah, Kinlaw's going to declare, and then he ended up saying, you know what, I I think I can be a top 10, top 15 pick and go back. And when I was told that, I was like, all right, he's going back. He's really betting on himself because at the time he was great raw potential, but he was really raw, more raw than Chris Jones was coming out. And remember, Chris Jones didn't go as high as he should have. He was a top 15 player for me, but he went in the second round. So I'm thinking Kinlaw goes back, even if he gets a little bit better technically. I don't know that he's going to go quite as high, but I think teams have learned from the Chris Jones mistake. And I think not only that, I think Kinlaw improved way more than I even thought he would this past season. He really committed himself. His body somehow looks even better than it did before. I think he's just, I mean, he is as rocked up as it gets, but I think also he's learned how to use that strength even better than he did before. He was just kind of a bull in a chining shop and he was starting to feel his way into some great plays. Now he's starting to put it together as a pass rusher, starting to find the football with his eyes when he engages blockers. So yeah, I mean, the arrow is all the way up for Kinlaw. He can keep getting better, but I think his character and his work ethic have taken big strides. You know, we don't talk about that part of growth too often but i think for him was when he first got there he didn't know how to work he didn't know a lot of these things how to eat he's talked about that extensively the things he had to cut out uh, that he used to eat all the time but he showed that he was teachable and coachable and able to train in that way and so because of that he's changed his body but he's also mentally so much further along than where he was a couple years ago so yeah i think we're talking about a guy that's probably going to go in the top 15 picks when it's all said and done so essentially what you're saying is even though the Falcons, you know, are looking for help on the outside, if Ken Law is there at pick 16, they need to run up to the board and take him to have the potential. You know, it, maybe you can get pressure on the outside, but if you have Grady Jarrett, you have Javon Kinlaw as your sort of tandem on the interior, you know, basically that's going to wreck offenses because you, particularly in the NFC South where you have a quarterback like a Drew Brees uh, where so much of being able to affect him and so many other quarterbacks in this league is really that interior pressure. Um, it, it feels like in recent years, it, it seems like the league is transitioning more to sort of valuing that interior pressure with guys like Grady Jarrett and Kinlaw and Aaron Donald, et cetera. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that there's huge value in both. Uh, I do think edge pressure has been 
proven to be a little bit more effective at getting to the quarterback over time. It is more difficult to effectively double edge rushers, even if you chip them. Sometimes that can be more tough on the offensive tackle. You know, if guys see it coming or know it's coming, then they can kind of counter that on the edge. You just have a little more flexibility, plus they're usually better athletes, better pass rushers on the edge on a down-to-down basis, where inside you've got a little more of a rotation. You might have guys that are just pure pass rushers that only come on, you know, one every three downs or so. So I think that, uh, in answer to your question, I think edge pressure is more important, but let's just be honest, think about this edge class. It is just not a great edge class. It's very possible that there may not be an edge worth that pick for Atlanta, and that doesn't, I mean, they could trade down. It's it's certainly something, an option they should have on the table. They should, you know, see everything they can get, how far they can move down, et cetera. But at the, I mean, honestly, Kinlaw is, is, while he may not be an edge player, I think he has flexibility to move around some. Chris Jones does as well, by the way, not to keep harping on that comparison. But I think he has flexibility to move around if you need him to a little bit. He's obviously not going to play on the edge on, on the vast majority of his snaps, but he's a guy that can give you, in essence, what you're looking for in terms of creating havoc behind the line of scrimmage in the run game or in the pass game, pressure sacks, things like that. He may be the best answer to the issue that is plausible for Atlanta. And then there's nothing saying they can't come back later in the draft and get an appropriately placed edge rusher in the draft. There's a couple, I think day two could be really interesting and enticing, but in round one, there really aren't a ton of options that scream at me. I know some people are going to talk, what about Terrell Lewis? What about Caleb on Chasen from LSU? I think those guys have a lot to prove and a lot of growing up to do as edge players. And while they probably will be interesting to Atlanta based on their prototype at edge, if those are the options between those two guys and Kinlaw on the board, I'm probably going to take Kinlaw just because I think he's that much closer and, and more of a sure thing to being effective for them up front. Okay. And so we will continue this conversation talking about those edges coming up and some of the guys that stood out at the senior bowl in their one-on-one reps coming up on today's podcast. The Atlanta Falcons are looking to increase their performance on the football field with their pass rush in 2020, but you too can increase your performance and gain a little bit of extra confidence by checking out bluechew.com. Bluechew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know, they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable to work up to twice as fast as any pill. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. It's shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. It's made in USA, and since it's prepared and shipped direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, you can take advantage of this special offer by visiting BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our special promo code Locked On. just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice. For all of you that enjoy football and have a heartbeat, you know exactly what's coming. It's that time of year. Plan a party, get the snacks ready, and get your wagers locked in because Super Bowl 54 is finally here. I know you've got a feeling about who's going to bring home that Lombardi trophy, and you don't want to miss out on your last chance to get the bets in before the NFL season ends. Whether you're choosing a straight-up winner or making a side bet with a friend, MyBookie offers you the most up-to-date odds and a site that makes winning extra cash easy and fast. MyBookie features the most complete lineup of Super Bowl props of any sportsbook in the business. The amount of betting options is unrivaled, and you can even visit MyBookie.ag party now to access a printable prop sheet for the big game. 
football is not your jam, don't sweat it because they've got you covered with lines on every other major sport, including the NBA, NHL, and NCAA. Plus, if you deposit right now, they'll match your deposit halfway. That's basically free cash to throw down on your next best bet. This will be your last chance to take advantage of that sign-up offer right now. Go ahead and enter promo code Locked On when you make your deposit. That's promo code Locked On to give your bankroll a jump start. My bookie, play, win, and get paid. So, you know, one of the big talking points I've seen a lot of people, both people, you know, that are paid to talk about the Falcons and people that aren't necessarily paid to talk about the Falcons and, and more national people is the talk of sort of the need for the Falcons to move away from the more undersized edge because they've sort of had two bites at the apple with Vic Beasley, with Tack McKinley, and it hasn't necessarily paid off and them going for more of a, a bigger oversized guy like an AJ Epinesa out of Iowa. But, you know, when we look at some of the top edge rushers from the senior bowl, it's guys that are, more in the mold of the smaller guys, not necessarily the bigger guys. And I'm curious with guys like Terrell Lewis and Jonathan Grinard and uh, Josh Uche and Bradley and I, some of these guys that various people have sort of potentially as like top 50 picks. I'm curious if any of these guys did enough in the practices to sort of boost their stock and, and are to you worth top 50 picks, given that the Falcons have, three picks in the top 55 and could potentially target some of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're in a really good spot to kind of see how things work out during this pre-draft process. They've got to feel out the buzz on somebody like Josh Uche for sure. I mean, I think he helped himself a lot. I would not surprise me at all if he works his way into the first round. Um, that kind of athleticism and bend and flexibility is really rare at the position. And some other guys do have that even in this class, as rare as those traits are. Some guys do have that in this class. What I love about Uche is that he has shown the ability to show a little bit of power, uh, to think through his rushes still a little bit. He definitely has a lot of work to do, I think, to be a full-time edge and, and work on his hand, but hands. But he, he can change pace a little bit. He's shown he can cover. He's just a really interesting player, and his compete level is so high. I think teams might fall in love with the dude. It's one thing to have the potential. It's another thing to show that you have the personality, the work ethic, the demeanor to get there. I think that's when teams really start to fall in love is when they see kind of a potential marriage of those two things. So that's what I think is really interesting with Uche, and I think he absolutely will be somebody that's on Atlanta's radar, even if I know fans are kind of clamoring, like, we don't want these raw, small athletic edges anymore. Um, I get it, but Atlanta's shown they have a type. They definitely believe in the analytics of the position and that suggests a heavy emphasis on athleticism, uh, especially explosiveness, and I think Uche is going to have that. So his combine and the buzz around him following the combine will be one Atlanta is going to need to have their ear to the ground on about. Uh, you mentioned Bradley and I. He is the type of player maybe that Falcons fans would love to see them take later in, the, in one of those later two picks that they have after their first-round pick. But the, the, the kind of disclaimer there is that that's not he might not be the type Atlanta typically has been looking at. Now, they could switch some things and an eye could test well enough to really be of interest. I think I think there's honestly a good chance that he tests better than people think. I think that he's a pretty solid athlete. I don't think he's going to test like Uche or some of these other or Caleb on Chasen or some of those other guys, but I think he's a, I think he's a fine athlete. So I think he's going to put himself on the radar for sure. I don't know if he'll be the top guy on their board or their preference of the position because he doesn't fit the prototype they've kind of gone after in recent years. 
But if they're looking to shift, maybe it'll toward a guy that's more pro ready. I mean, and I was clearly the best true edge in mobile, the best, the most polished and the most ready to make an impact guy that was there. And I have to get to a lot of his tape still. I'm just talking about the senior bowl. I could get to his tape and be like, man, he didn't do any of the stuff that he did in the senior bowl. Um, I haven't seen a ton of him even live because Utah and the night games and I don't catch a lot of them. So, um, I, I don't know, you know, if on tape if he looks as will look as good. Although his production's great for the position too, almost thirty sacks during his time at Utah. So there's a lot to like there with an eye. I think there's a lot to like with some of these other guys too. You mentioned some of the other athletic guys. Jonathan Greenard is one that I would say I just was not really impressed with him during this week. Um, I I really didn't think that he showed that he was a great athlete this that week in Mobile. Um, I didn't see the suddenness from him. I didn't see the bend from him. I don't really think his hands are great. I think he really lacks intricacy as a pass rusher. Um, there are times where he finds it in glimpses, and but it just does not all come together for him consistently. And He's a little bit older than some of those other guys, uh, maybe a little bit less of a ceiling than some of those other guys. So I think he's kind of a risk that I'm not sure has a huge reward if you're talking about taking him over some of the other guys we're talking about. Terrell Lewis, big reward, but maybe the biggest risk. I mean, he will get too deep a lot as a pass rusher. He kind of stumbles his way into wins. He, he is fast, and he does have big, long levers. You know, his arms are huge. I mean, he's just rocked up kind of build and everything, And but the, the medicals are a big concern, and the lack of development is a big concern, too, for someone who doesn't hardly have any collegiate production. So, there's some warning signs with Terrell Lewis that are going to make him one of the biggest boomer bust picks in this class. And Atlanta's already rolled the dice on some guys like that. And I don't know if they're going to want to go down that path again. So it sounds like with at least deny the hope is that he can basically pull a chase Winovich and, and come out and test more athletic than a lot of people thought he would be just mm-hmm. watching the film. Right. I think that's his best. I mean, I think what people are going to, are going to say is, you know, we don't see that same bend that you see for Muche to run under a table at full speed. But I think with the nine, what he's so good at is he can trim the corner and, and, and with his hands and may give himself better angles to the pocket. And he always seems to get his feet and hips in line to corner. You know, you don't see him getting pushed too deep very often, or at least you didn't in Mobile. That's why I thought he did so well. He was one of the few guys that beat Josh Jones a few times, and Jones had a great week. Really, nobody else tested him much, but uh, I thought that Anai was the one guy that gave him problems because he was so deadly with his hands. Just the timing and the intricacy, you don't see that a lot of times from a collegiate pass rusher. So I I really like him. I think that he can make an impact early on, but I do do watch his athleticism with great interest um, at the combine because I do think those numbers play a big role in figuring out what a player's potential and what kind of impact they could have in the NFL. Now, the last edge I'm curious to get your thoughts on before we move on and talk a little bit more about some of the interior guys is Jabari Zaniga, uh, Grenard's uh, teammate from Florida. What were your thoughts on watching him? Because I personally kind of when watching the games. I kind of thought Zaniga was a little bit better than Grenard just from my eyes. But um, I'm just curious sort of where you are with those two Florida boys. Yeah, Zaniga is probably one of the hardest dudes for me to figure out. He has been one of the hardest guys for me to figure out. I mean, I thought him, again, I thought he was a guy that may come out last year, so I'd already studied him. I'd watched a ton of the SEC. I watched almost all his games. The last couple years, I've watched a ton of him. So I just don't think he's gotten any better as a pass rusher at Florida. Like, I just don't, I think he's basically the same player as a pass rusher at Florida. You know, I remember, I mean, there's been one or two sacks he's had over each of the past couple of years where I'm like, what, what was that? Like, just an unbelievable jump off the snap. 
I mean, strides just eat up the arc. He corners like out of nowhere. And then a lot of other reps, he just is, he's too, you know, he's kind of like long legged and stiff in the hips and he's not, he's not moving laterally well. Um, and he's whiffing and running by the quarterback. And he's in, so there's just so much inconsistency there. I really, I have no idea what's going to happen with him at the combine. You know, he, I think he could be a guy that kind of has like very weird athleticism. I think of a guy like Jordan Willis, like no one thought Willis was going to test well a couple of years ago because he didn't look athletic on tape that consistently. But then he went out and tested great. But then you went back to the tape and you're like, I still don't see it. And then he played terrible. I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. And so it's just kind of this, I don't really know. I don't know that Zuniga is, is going to be end up like Jordan Willis because Zuniga, and this is what I'll, what I'll talk about in a second, is he plays inside some too. So he's a little more versatile, which gives him a little more value for the NFL that he has experienced there. But there is just, I mean, so much hit or miss. He can like completely get handled on a pass rush, and then he can all of a sudden club a guy down swim over top of him and get a sack. I mean, you just never know what you're getting with Zuniga. So he is one of the hardest dudes to figure out in the class, I think. I think what teams are going to have to pay attention to is this. His, his testing will matter for sure, but his frame is great. His, you know, I think that, that his energy on the field is great. Is his work ethic and teachability where you need it to be to feel like you can get the most out of him at the next level? Because maybe Florida just didn't develop. They didn't ask him to do much more than he'd already done. Before just had a lot of busts come out of the D line, and so it's worth doing your homework to figure out what it is that's happening with these guys. When we think about Jakai Polite, Taven Bryan's look like he hasn't panned out exactly. Jonathan Bullard, I think of a few years ago. I'm probably forgetting other guys, but there's been a lot of oh, this looks enticing, and then it just hasn't worked out in the NFL. I mean, even Dante Fowler took about three years to reach. You know, he'd probably never live up to that top five billing. But it took him about three years to reach the point where he was, you know, producing at the NFL level. And I know the injury early on slowed that process, but these guys are coming out and they don't have much of a plan. So you have to figure out what's the upside with Jabari Zuniga. That's going to be the whole pre-draft process. What's the upside from a character and work ethic standpoint? What's the upside from an athletic standpoint? You know, he has the versatility. He played inside some of Florida and his versatility to do that and be an interior rusher for you. So certainly somewhere where you'd value that, maybe in the middle rounds. He could be enticing, but he earns, he works his way up a draft board considerably because of his energy and everything that he plays with on the field, the versatility into that probably a somewhat of a second, maybe third round range. If he tests great and teams think that this is a guy that can get it. If we bring him in, he's a guy that's going to get it and respond well to our coaching. Well, we will talk a little bit more about the interior guys and some of the stands out standouts at the senior bowl, as well as the offensive line coming up on today's podcast, you know, but before we get there, since we're talking draft, might as well plug the three daily podcasts that you can find on the lockdown podcast network that are devoted to the 2020 NFL draft, including the locked on NFL draft podcast, the locked on college football podcast and the draft dudes podcast. Find them on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and Spotify. Hi, I'm Jake from locked on. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. 
And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. So, John, uh, talking about some of the Senior Bowl guys, and we already talked about Javon Kinlaw on the interior. And another guy that was sort of the other big name among the interior guys uh, in mobile uh, last week was uh, Oklahoma's Neville Gallimore. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on him and whether or not he's a guy that I'm seeing a lot of sort of, you know, draft boards and rankings and mock drafts or putting him in the late first round, early round two sort of range. But I'm wondering if he's a guy that by the time we get to April, could he possibly be in the mix for the Falcons, you know, number 16 overall pick? Because a lot of talk has been about, you know, I think Bruce Feldman had him on the freak list. He's a guy that's going to test particularly well. And so is he a guy that could potentially, do you see that type of potential in Neville Gallimore, I guess? Yeah, potential, absolutely. I don't think he's all the way there yet. Uh, you'll probably hear some comparisons to Grady Jarrett if you haven't already. So some fans will want to know, can they play next to each other? I'll address that first because I, I think it's a good question, but at the same time, we're in a totally different day and age in the NFL where you know, it used to be you're having an under tackle and a guy that's athletic and get upfield through gaps like a Jarrett, and then you're pairing him with a big you know, hefty nose tackle that can eat up two blocks. We don't really play. It's not really how the game plays anymore. You know, you want speed, athleticism, guys who can play in behind the line of scrimmage. You know, that's how defenses survive. They survive with negative plays, sacks, turnovers, tackles for loss, those kind of things. And Gallimore is that type of a player, I think. You can play him head up on the center. You can play him in a one. You can play him in a three. You can play him in a five if you need to, you know, in certain uh, personnel packages. So the versatility offers is nice. It's exciting. Um, man, he plays so hard. Uh, he is sometimes a little bit too erratic. Uh, he can really, his first move, if it doesn't land, he can get kind of stuck and not really have much of a plan. And, but I mean, he just keeps working. He's, he's a furious motor. Um, he chases get quarterbacks down. He's going to get, we talked Vic Beasley, everybody remembers his big sack here, uh, in Atlanta. Well, he, he just chased guys down for half those sacks. Um, you know, that's Gallimore, like just playing uh, all out to the whistle. Um, so, I think teams will love that part of his game. He needs development, um, but he's supposed to test great. He looks like a good athlete. Um, so there needs there's consistency. This need, there's a lot of things that are needed. Uh, I don't think it's out of the question. I say that without having studied a ton of his tape and just watched a lot of him live and, and a lot in Mobile. Um, I, I think that there's definitely potential for him to land in that range. You know, he is a little bit smaller, so I wonder if that pushes him down the board a little bit. But if he tests out of control, I mean, like some rumors have said, I mean, some people have said he's going to run on the four sevens. You know, I don't really care about 40 that much for that position, but it probably denotes that he's going to be a great athlete all around at the combine. So I think he could work as it's Let's not, let's say it's not rule it out. I don't think I would say it's probably a top option for Atlanta, but he certainly checks some of the boxes that the Falcons like and their big guys inside. So, you know, I, my thought process, as I sort of mentioned at the top, based off of what the Falcons have said, is that they'll probably go edge early and, and then maybe wait on the the interior guys. Um, are there sort of guys in that mid-round range that you're sort of liking, whether it's, you know, a Robert Windsor, a Marlon Davison, a Jason Strobridge? Did anybody sort of stand out in your eyes that you think would be a, a good pickup for the Falcons uh, in the middle of the draft? Well, Davidson is interesting because – 
I don't really think his tape is very good, but also he played on the edge a lot at Auburn, and he's 297 pounds, and so I just I I don't know. It's a little he's a little bit hard to figure out because he played. I mean, you do not see many 300 pounders playing on the edge for a team, and and it just he looked ineffective so much of the time that it's hard to kind of know how much how much you know to take that with a grain of salt, or do you just kind of use that as part of his grade if you're using a numerical system and I mean I think Daniel Jeremiah mocked him in the first round someone said and I mean I just have never seen that type of a player I've watched a lot of him over the years Um, but there is no question he has more pass rush potential inside than he really was allowed to show at Auburn and I think he showed a little bit of that in Mobile I know he only practiced the first day ended up getting hurt and being out the rest of the week um, I thought he had a pretty solid first day, though. I mean, when he was on the edge, it was rough. But when he was inside, his quickness was really enticing. You know, every year we have these guys at the at the combine who weren't used much or were used out of position. Usually it's not a 300-pound defensive end moving to defensive tackle. But we have those guys every year that kind of weren't really used properly and didn't really get to show their traits to their full potential in college that then come and they test really well. And then we're like, man, there's more upside here than, than we kind of figured that there was. Um, I know Davidson plays hard. I know that he's super physical. I know he's going to check those boxes for teams. Now, I'm curious to kind of revisit his tape, and you might have to dig through every game he played this season to get a great feel for him and watch all the inside reps and some of the inside pass rushes and how his hands look, uh, how quickly he gets off the ball when he's inside compared to when he's on the edge because he's a little closer to it inside. So I think He's just going to require a really careful and thorough evaluation to know exactly where it's going to be valued. But I do think he'll be a top 100 pick, um, and I don't know that many people would have said that even a month ago. So I think he, he helped himself that week a lot. I want to switch sides to the ball, and you know, because you're watching all these pass rushers, obviously you're going to see some of these offensive linemen. The Falcons tried to address their offensive line woes last year with their top two picks in Chris Lindstrom and Kayla McGarry, and Lindstrom had a good rookie season when he was healthy, which wasn't very often, and Kayla McGarry had his ups and downs, but it seems like the Falcons are ready to roll with him at that right tackle position. Clearly they have a need to get a sort of heir apparent for Alex Mack because he's getting up there in age. They've had a little bit of a problem spot at the left guard position. It seems like the perfect pick would be a guy that can come in, you know, pull a Elton Jenkins, come in, immediately play left guard, and then if and when Alex Mack decides to retire, can potentially uh, be an option at the center position. Was there anybody at Mobile, uh, down in Mobile, that sort of stood out to you? Maybe someone like a Lloyd Cushenberry that could potentially fulfill that uh, role? Yeah, absolutely. Christian Berry was the top guy there at center, in my opinion. Um, he took some reps at offensive guard, too, so you want to see flexibility. I thought those were an adjustment for him. You know, it could have just been, I don't know, the new movement off the snap, not snapping the ball or whatever it is, but, you know, your initial hand placement and everything needs some work. But at center, I mean, he was clearly the best center there. I, I love, you know, I watch Lloyd Christian Berry. You think flexibility is the term that keeps coming to mind for me because he sits down against power so well and he plays so low he's already not a big center um but he's just strong and uh, and he knows how to maximize what he has uh with his hand usage i mean there's a couple times on tape he stood up Derek brown and is kind of getting walked back slowly but giving his quarterback plenty of time and you know keeping brown hoisted up so he can't counter and so i think there's a lot about christian berry that that you really like um i think that there may be some physical matchups where he's tested a little bit but 
if he keeps getting better and keeps improving at the next level and everybody raves about his character and his smarts, his intelligence, what he meant to that LSU O-line, you know, teams love that stuff with the center. I mean, almost all the centers we see go high, you know, get those kind of rave reviews from, from the teams, uh, the, from their college teams. So uh, I just think Cushenberry has a real good chance to be the first center off the board. And in terms of fitting uh, with Atlanta, I think he makes a lot of sense there as well. I mean, diverse scheme at LSU and like I said the smarts to clearly handle that kind of stuff so to me if you're talking about trying to find somebody that you could work in as a replacement for Mac you know he'd be a guy that you target in round two now one of the things I often complained about on on this podcast was the fact that Dirk Cutter refused to run the outside zone that was so effective uh under Kyle Shanahan and seemingly has been so effective for Kyle Shanahan continuing Kansas City and we saw it effective for Tennessee with Derrick Henry uh but I, I won't go on that rant I won't bore you with that John today um <laughs> but I, I do you know the question is going to be do the Falcons are the Falcons like permanently moving away from the outside zone scheme or do they go back to it because I know a guy that a lot of people are talking about as a potential outside zone fit is a guy like Temple's Matt Hennessy or Washington's um, Nick Harris I'm curious to get your thoughts on those two guys and, and if there was another center that you looked at and said okay this guy definitely fits the outside zone template that the Falcons at least formerly used to utilize yeah, I think Hennessy could be a fit. I haven't watched his tape enough to tell you how good of a fit, but I do think that you're going to have issues with him in pass protection no matter what. I mean, I just, he's not very big, he's not very long, and he's not very strong. So I just think guys that are long-levered with power are going to kind of throw him around. He can lean a little bit, and I saw him kind of get tossed off. I wasn't. I know some people really like Tennessee's week. I did not really fall in love with his week. He looked like a day three pick to me. I know some people, I, I mean, I think McShay said on the broadcast that he was, you know, pro, he and Cushenberry are probably the top two centers in the draft. He said that as he had Cushenberry ranked as his fourth center <laughs> at that moment in time. <laughs> and I don't think Tennessee was in his top five centers. So I don't understand the take really, but I, I don't see that type of potential with Tennessee. Um, Nick Harris, that, you know, he had a, he had a really bad week. I know his tape is a little bit better. He's just so small, and he's not really technical enough to get by with those deficiencies. So I'm not super excited about Nick Harris either at the next level, but I will say that his best chance of survival in the NFL is probably with the team that puts him on the move pretty often. And, and you know, in pass protection, you're just going to have I don't know how you get away from the issues unless he gets, you know, help. And I don't know how you get away from the, the concerns of pass protection, but you know, can he handle the stuff mentally? I think we've heard good things in that regard, but you probably want him on the move and not kind of trying to displace guys at the point of attack in a vertical blocking scheme. So I would say that, yeah, outside zone probably makes the most sense as a fit for Harris, but I still think you're going to have concerns about him. Just there's no real upside there. And I think what he lacks is a little bit scary at that position. Any other guard prospects that sort of jump out to you as uh, guys that you really like? Yeah, Jonah Jackson had a great week uh, from Ohio State. Uh, he and Damian Lewis from LSU were the top two guards. I don't even think it was close uh, that were in uh, Mobile. I thought they both had great weeks. Damian Lewis is – they're totally different players. Damian Lewis is a punisher. He's way more agile than he looks. Um, he plays explosive and quick. A lot of people thought he was kind of just a power guy and vertical. You know, But he can get – he can. He absolutely showed the ability to hit reach blocks, uses his hands really well. Once in a while, he can get a little over aggressive and get tossed off to the side or, or kind of whiff a little bit. But 
and he does. I mean, he's just not that big of a dude, you know, in terms of uh, length and and and, uh, and like uh, broadness. Um, so I think there are some power matchups that will give him fits in the NFL. You you know, some of the big long lever dudes um, will might give him a little bit of issue in the NFL, but. That's he's a surefire starter in the NFL at right guard. Jonah Jackson is I, he looks like a starter too. Really balanced. I mean, probably as patient a dude in pass protection as I can ever remember seeing at the Senior Bowl. Um, he's strong and he's got you know got great hands. The only thing I'm concerned about with him in pass protection is he doesn't really finish the fight. He's not very aggressive. He just I mean he's just chilling. I mean he's the opposite of Lewis. I, he's just so interesting in how he plays the position because he's just so relaxed. But I think he needs to end the fight a little bit more as a pass protector and not be quite as passive because guys can get him with a late counter. Um, and even though he does his job, it does his job initially almost all the time. Um, you need to be wary of those things in the NFL with some of these quarterbacks who like to hold the ball um, and make things happen. So he's got to finish reps a little bit better. But uh, traits-wise, he looks like he's going to be uh, one of the topics. And then a guy to watch for is probably Hakeem Adeniji from uh, Kansas played tackle in college, uh, played guard in, in Mobile, and really looked good. I was surprised because I did not like his tape of tackle very much. So I was a pretty big fan of, of what he did at guard, and I think that if he can keep getting better, he could be kind of the mid-round guy that ends up panning out in this group. Okay. John, I appreciate you coming on and, and giving us the, the lowdown on all the guys uh, down in mobile and your assessment of those guys. Uh, I'm curious to see sort of which guys, as we get closer to the draft to start to get the, the buzz or which guys point down. And obviously, you know, we got the combine coming up, but uh, I, I really do appreciate your insights uh, on this topic um, and uh, let the people know where they can hit you up on Twitter to get additional draft takes from you uh, in the future. Yeah, at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL Draft. I'm always tweeting out thoughts when I get a chance to watch some guys, so check me out there. Yeah, I saw your tweets about Cole Komet, and I watched him today as well, um, and I wasn't that impressed. I was like, this is the team. <laughs> this is tight end one for people? Like, mm. Yeah, I was pretty surprised, man. I was like, man, everybody really likes this guy. I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand why people were saying this is a bad tight end class if people thought he was – the number one guy in the class. Cause I'm like, if this is the number one dude in the class, this, this is a horrible tight end class. I mean, it's not to say he's a bad player or anything. It's just, right. He's not like we've seen, you know, these last couple of drafts where you see these dynamic tight ends and you're like, Ooh, I'm excited about these guys. And I saw a couple of guys that were down in mobile that I was a little excited, a little bit more excited about than commit, but uh, right. you can get oh, those, absolutely. you can get those types of takes guys uh, about Cole commit or whoever from John on his Twitter um, in the future. So definitely check that out. And yeah, once again, John, appreciate you coming back. Glad we got a, a chance to do that, do this again. Didn't get that chance last off season. Um, so look forward to future opportunities for you to come back on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me Aaron. I appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good night. Awesome. You too, man. They have it. Trench breakdown senior bowl. Does it get any better than that? I don't know. Uh, appreciate John for, for joining me. And um, we'll be back Monday with the mock draft Monday and probably get some thoughts on Super Bowl 54 and sort of the narratives coming out of the game. If you guys have sort of specific questions about the Super Bowl or observations, of course, you can hit me up for the mock draft Monday slash mailbag Monday that's coming up next on the Lockdown Podcast next week. 
Uh, you can do so at lockdownfalcons at mail.com. That's the email address. The Facebook and Twitter account are both the same, Lockdown Falcons. So that's another place. Of course, you know, if you didn't check out yesterday's episode where I went back and revisited, you know, Super Bowl 51 and 28 to 3 and, and that loss and, you know, shared my thoughts on sort of my perspective on that now, three years later, now that Kyle Shanahan is on potentially the quote unquote path to redemption this weekend, uh, definitely check that out and, and provide your feedback on that game and sort of where your head was at three years ago and where your head's at still now, three years later. And certainly I'm sure many of you will have uh, differing opinions than I do, depending on what happens on Sunday in this chief 49ers matchup. So definitely provide all the feedback that you can possibly provide on the variety of subjects that you want to provide them on uh, so that we can discuss those things on uh, Monday's podcast until then guys, you are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.